What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button and checking out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. I'm your host, Rich, and if this is your first time checking out an episode, first of all, welcome. Second, a bit about what we do here. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with content creators, entrepreneurs, and awesome folks that are on our radar and discuss the gadgets, the gear, and the tech that they use to run their business, create their content, and overall, be more productive. Now, when it comes to toys, we like to use that in a more broad sense and not just relegated to action figures, Funko Pops, things like that. You'd be surprised what people consider toys. And it's one of those things that really unites so many of us, the stuff that we are into. Plus, it breaks up a lot of the business talk as well. With that out of the way, a little bit of housekeeping before we get to this week's guest. So, First up, I want to thank everybody who checked out our last episode with Joy Nickens, uh, a.k.a. Joy Infinity, uh, just a, an amazing, amazing talent, an amazing human being. Uh, right now, she is currently doing uh, a charity drive to raise money for multiple sclerosis. Uh, make sure to check out her channel if you haven't. I will include show no- uh, I will include the link for her channel in the show notes for this episode if you're interested in checking it out and donating. I believe that the goal is $500. So again, I know she um, has received some donations already and it's a very, it's a nice modest goal. And if you want to help an awesome creator, plus do some good, make sure to check out her channel. She plays a lot of awesome games, has really positive vibes, and is just a, a great asset to the Twitch community. I believe she's still chipping away at Bayonetta currently. So if you've never seen that game, I definitely recommend you check out her stream because that's a, that's a wild game to watch much less play. So, um, wanted to put that out there. Also, um, we have some amazing, amazing guests on the horizon from, from all walks of life, uh, that have just amazing stories, um, actionable advice that you can apply to your business, plus great gadgets, gear, uh, tech that you can apply to your business and use it to, uh, build up your brand, whether you're a content creator, a blogger, a YouTuber, or just someone that's looking for a little guidance. I, I think that the guests that we have on deck in the coming weeks are really just going to just going to blow the roof off of things. I mean, we've had some amazing guests so far, but on the road to episode 50, it is only going to get better. So I really hope that you guys stick uh, stick around for the ride. And more importantly, if you're new here, uh, definitely check us out and subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Uh, new episodes are released bi-weekly on Wednesdays. So With that said, and some housekeeping out of the way, let us turn it over to this week's guest. I always tell the story where I literally would do sit-ups in the shower because I was just like, I didn't want anyone to know like really what I was doing. And I was just trying to like get in the the zone and find any time or place that I could, you know, I come up with these weird workout routines, just like, you know, it's sprint one length of the block, walk the next and do that over and over and over again. So going into middle school, I, I lost like 20 pounds. And I remember like just walking into school, just kind of people looking at me like, oh, damn, like, like, yeah, like what, what did Joe do? Like, what's so different? That really helped build my confidence. Um, and then from there, the next step was I started playing lacrosse and football. And I went from, you know, learning these sports uh, kind of like 
most kids start really early, but I got into lacrosse when I was in the seventh or eighth grade and same thing with football. And I went from, you know, just learning to then being on the varsity team as a freshman, uh, ultimately becoming my high school, uh, football captain, lacrosse captain, and same thing with my grades in school. Uh, I was kind of like a, you know, ABC student. And then I, I graduated with like a 3.6, 3.7 GPA, somewhere around there. But it was just kind of the process of getting better. And, and I always was just addicted to that and trying to, to view things differently. So that was kind of me, you know, uh, younger. And then from there, you know, I thought I wanted to have, I would guess, quote unquote, like the American dream where I was going to go to college, get a degree. And I wanted to work uh, for the government. I was going to school for criminal psychology. I always thought I'd be like a, a really cool, like interrogator for the government or something like that. And I was in school and I was playing sports and I had just like this weird moment where I just felt like super confused on like what I wanted and what I was doing and, and going my whole life, like being super determined and knowing exactly what I wanted to do. This really had thrown me a, a curveball uh, because it just, you know, like this feeling like I hadn't felt before. And I remember calling up um, one of my, uh, I would say like my mentors, who was actually one of my first personal trainers. And uh, this dude was like, you know, 300 plus pounds. He was a professional football player. And I just said to him like, Hey man, like here's what's going on. You know, you're the only person I feel like I can talk about this stuff with because I felt like everybody was pushing this college education on me. They, they had all these high expectations. And, you know, at this point I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I kind of laid it out for him. And he basically took that approach of, you know, like happiness is going to be key and, and doing what you want is going to be better over what other people want. Um, so like literally two days later, I went to my uh, lacrosse coach and I told him that I'm quitting uh, the program and that I'm going to like leave this school and, you know, obviously super disappointed. And, you know, and then I had to go and tell family and friends I was doing that. So I came back from college, unsure of what I wanted to do. But throughout that whole process, I always loved hitting weights. I always loved getting after it in the gym. And, and you know, I've battled things like depression and anxiety and, and going through all that, uh, the gym was just like my therapy. And I was like that guy who even after practice, you know, and lifting with the teams, I would go to the gym, right? Like I was always hitting it hard uh, just because it was something I, I totally enjoyed. And it was like my outside passion and hobby. So uh, when I had come back from college and just trying to figure out what I want to do, I enrolled in a, a school, like a community college around home. And I started working at a grocery store. Uh, which was like, you know, a huge hit to my ego. Like I was like, what the heck am I doing with my life? Um, but then I got opportunity to work at a, like a private gym uh, from a family friend. So I accepted that opportunity and kind of helped uh, basically watch and grow uh, a gym from the ground up. And I always talk about how that experience was so valuable to me because that's where I really got my feet wet. I got to work with all different people, all different shapes and sizes learned what I liked, what I didn't like, saw the ins and outs of a business, uh, what worked for a business, what didn't work for a business. And I did that uh, for, I want to say like two and a half, maybe three years. I'm not sure the exact time frame, but it was a good amount of time. Um, and then had another weird moment where I uh, was in a relationship and I felt the pressure once again from outside uh, people talking about me being a provider, right? They saw like me being a personal trainer as not a career that would be a provider for my spouse and really make a living. And, um, you know, I, I took that personally because I wanted to be a provider and a spouse to the, the person I was with. 
and I ended up uh, leaving the, uh, the the training business, and I went back to school, and I was also building pools and working on pools full time. So that job paid well, and I was going back to change my career into exercise science at the time. Um, so I was hitting it hard with uh, the job and the uh, the schooling, and then unfortunately uh, that relationship didn't even work out. So of course, like I, I did this for you know, that, and then that didn't pan out. So once again, I'm like, okay, like, what, what are we going to do here? And even though I was making good money, and I think the valuable lesson in this is, yes, I had a job that was paying me well, and I could save up money, and I was making great money in overtime. Um, I was lacking that passion and that purpose, which I had found through uh, personal training and, and strength training, et cetera. And, and I kind of felt that itch coming back. So um, during that time, it was very difficult for me to get in my own training. And what I decided to do was build a garage gym for myself. So when I got back from work, I had no excuse like to, to not go to the gym because the gym was just in my garage. So I'd, I'd get out of the car, I'd change my clothes, and I, maybe I hit something for 45 minutes, whatever it was, just to feel like I could get that training in. And slowly over time, um, people had saw me training because I'm doing like weird stuff. You know, I had my, my garage set up, but I'm like carrying stones down the, the street. I'm, you know, walking with kegs and doing like sled drags with like tires that I made. And it was a lot of like makeshift stuff. Um, but it kind of caught people's interest in the neighborhood. And and, it, and then people kind of grew and grew with it. And they thought it was pretty cool. And they stopped and talked to me. And then I started getting contacted uh, by previous clients, you know, to get training in. So I was a little hesitant at first. And then I eventually pulled the trigger and I started accepting clients out of the garage. And, uh, you know, it grew and grew. And I think it like, it was kind of crazy because, I think it's at one point I had like over a hundred waivers that people filled. I'm not saying that I had hundred members in the garage, but it's just right. like over a hundred people that had trained there. Um, which is pretty, pretty dope, uh, to be able to say that out of like a small little garage. And it was a very special place. And it grew to the point where I was able to talk to my boss, at my full-time gig. And he was like one of the coolest bosses because he knew like, I wasn't going to be there for forever. He knew like, I was just, this was just like a means to an end for me. And I told him like, dude, like, I, I think I can kind of start doing my own thing now. And he was like, super proud and pumped for me. So at that point, I had uh, quit that job. And I was starting to train a couple of nights a week at a gym uh, locally. And I kind of worked out this deal where I could move everything from my garage, kind of like sublease space there. All right. um, yeah, and do that for a little while. And then it just got to the point where I was like, you know what? Like, I feel like I'm just half-assing this. Like, I need to commit, go all in. Like, I need my own brand, my own business. And uh, yeah, I mean, long story short, I'll kind of end the story there for anything you want to talk about before we get to like the craziness of it all. But yeah, so like that's kind of where I really made the decision that I want to start my own place, and it started the journey of of getting uh, my my gym started. That was my personal brand, and and really start pushing it. So I want to, I want to actually unpack a few things from that, from your story. So one of the toughest things is usually your, your support system, your, your day-to-day support system, accepting a lot of your decisions. And I want to kind of go back to when, when you were telling people that you were quitting school to go about this full time, how did, how did that, you know, what was the thought process for that? Cause I'm sure you said to yourself, man, I know some people are going to be bummed. What was the, the reaction as you started? really breaking down your passions and why you wanted to do this? Like, how did you help people kind of turn the corner and, and, 
and follow follow your journey instead of sitting there and detracting from it. Yeah, I mean, it was really tough, man. Like so many people, and, and it's not like anybody's fault or anything because you know, going. I'm a very, uh, I would say, like self aware person, but I can also understand other people. And I think ultimately it comes down to is other people that care about you want what's best for you, right. and they also want something like better than whatever they had. So if it's like your grandparents or your parents, they just want to see you succeed, hopefully. And, and they're always trying to make sure that you're in a better place or situation than they were. So I can understand like where they were coming from in that aspect. And I think for them, it was hard to kind of see like where things were going to go. Like for me, it's easy because I knew the steps I was going to take. I, I had the drive to do it. And for me, like starting from scratch, uh, their perspective is, like this is probably doomed to fail or like he's really working against uh, the grain right now. And honestly, I think it just took a lot of time for them to kind of see things starting to click and what I was doing. And then now it's like, you know, everybody's super supportive and everybody understands, you know, what I'm trying to do and, and they see how much work has been put in. So I think it just took a good amount of time, which is fine. Like I knew that. And I think what helps them is seeing like me being happy, right? Like, right you know, they see that I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm making progress. I'm making moves rather than like, okay, you're going to go on this journey and you're miserable. You're not getting any better. Like it's probably gonna be a lot harder for people to understand what you're doing. If those are the, the vibes you're putting out there. So for me, it was like, they, they see the progress, they see the changes, the, the growth of the gym, the social media, the people that I'm meeting and surrounding myself with. Um, and I've also included them in the process, right? So I think when you include people in like, that it really helps them see what you're doing. So, you know, I've had uh, a lot of people in my family come train at the gym, you know, like my grandma trained there for a long time. Um, you know, my aunt and uncle are, are a big part of my, my gym. My brother has been at the gym now for a couple of years. He's lost over a hundred pounds. Like, and when, and when they see these things, they really buy into it and they build relationships with the people and they start to understand the, the, the message more. Um, but in the beginning, yeah, it's, it's tough, man. And I think like for anyone who's trying to do it, you, you have to, really be confident in yourself and where you're going to take things and, and don't let those opinions of others. I know it's so cliche, but it's so true. Like, like you can only focus on, you know, your vision, your goals. You can't let anyone else's input or feedback uh, affect that unless, you know, they're, they're super special to you and they maybe have done the things that you're trying to do. But other than that, I feel like a lot of people, what they say, just, it just really doesn't matter in that sense. And you got to be like a bull in a China shop and go hard after it. I, I like what you were saying about trying to be a provider because I think a lot of a lot of the things that, especially now, uh, you know, men were always kind of forced to kind of check off all these boxes as we grow up. And you know, as as I'm hearing your story, it's exactly that. It's like, and you met you referenced um, in one of your podcasts, Fight Club, and you know, there's a monologue in Fight Club where he's like, you know, you get married, then what do you do next? Oh, you have kids. What do you do next? And it's interesting that you were talking about being a provider because I think that a lot of times, and I'm sure a lot of creators have run into this, this situation, a lot of entrepreneurs where you kind of want to tip the balance and try and find a way to coexist with both, but things do end up falling through the cracks. Like here you are, you sacrifice so much and then the relationship went south and then you're like, damn, you know, that could have been time I could have been putting into my business, but I'm sure you also took it as lessons as to what you want to look for in a, in a significant other that can make them embrace what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hindsight's 2020, right? So like looking back, like 
that relationship was probably never going to work. But all I knew was just, um, you know, trying to be that provider yep. and, and trying to do those things that, you know, uh, like a man should want to do. And that's kind of how I was raised to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but I, like I was just, uh, talking to you earlier before we got on here about, uh, what do you call it? Like vulnerability, Brene Brown, courage. You should check her out. She's awesome. But one of the things that she had talks of, or she talks about is when she goes in, uh, with these big companies or CEOs is, uh, like if you're going to go down this route, basically, um, like to being vulnerable or, you know, trying to chase the, the road less traveler to your dream, like you will fail. And most people hear that and they're like, yeah, yeah. Like, no, that's cool. And she's like, no, no, no. Like you are going to fail. Like, it's not like, yeah, if it happens, it may happen. It's like, no, like this is inevitable. It's, a, it's an inevitable part of the journey is failure in some way, shape or form. Um, but at the same time, like if you understand that's part of the process, it's almost like, you know, you're doing the right thing. Like, you know, and then you can, can learn from that and adapt and grow. So for me, every time I view these obstacles or these things come up, right. I, I say, you know, uh, how can I grow through this or, or, like, I'm not just going to go through it. I'm going to grow through it. And, you know, that was something for me that taught me a lot of about who I was, what I was looking for, and uh, kind of just, you know, really set, set also just set me some fire to, to like kill it. You know, like I was like, all right, it's like, I got nothing to lose now. Like, let's go, baby. So you, you were talking about the way that you were training and it got people's attention. And it's interesting because I, obviously the core, the core lifts were in there, but you were, flipping tires, chains, kegs, all of, all of that. What what drew you to train that particular way? What jumped out that said, you know what? I want to do the tire flips. I want to mess with chains and kegs. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I got to give credit. So during this process, when I was actually a personal trainer, uh, I would go on YouTube, right? And the people that came up first on YouTube was this guy, Elliot Hulse, this guy, Zach Evanesh, uh, Travis Stetzel, like, these 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 dudes that I would watch and they were just badasses man like everything they were doing uh, I was all about like their mindset their intensity um, the the grit that they had and this is like kind of the early stages of YouTube at the time and I basically just had started doing what they were doing uh, because I really loved the way that they were training I liked the way that they looked and I was just kind of like that like I wanted that uh, mental toughness to my training and I was never like, I need fancy. I want pretty equipment. I was like, no, like, you know, it's almost like that blue collar mindset yep. uh, to, to my training. So, you know, these guys were using these stones and they were, t- you know, taking kegs and, uh, you know, flipping these tires. And the other thing that's nice about it is it was super cheap to find all this stuff like for me to make and create. And I still have all the same stuff in my gym now. Um, but I feel like so many people have found excuses to that they needed a certain equipment or they needed a certain training environment when, you know, I just felt like that those were, you know, unnecessary and they were excuses in themselves. So, uh, following these guys really motivated and inspired me, uh, for how I trained, how I ran my business. And, you know, I, I have like all these mantras all over my office and my room. And like one of them right now next to me is like, don't get soft, you know? So it's like the moment I feel like I'm getting soft, I revert back to, those times, those training methods, uh, where the basics work, you know, you got to get dirty, you got to be uncomfortable. And, uh, that's, that's what causes the growth and the change for, for you to live your best life. The thing about it is that you, you were doing all that. You had, you know, 80 plus clients at what 
come through your doors. Mind you, this was even before you just opened a dedicated facility. And the thing about it was you went through some hardship to even get Lions Den, the Lions Den open. Am I right? You, you experienced a, a couple of hardships along the way. And I kind of want to dig into that a little bit because that's where the real grit comes in. I know that you had issues with one, one gym with a landlord and you went through a couple of other things with that, especially just trying to get the gym off the ground. So, uh, to get to where you are now, what, you know, what mindset did you have to apply to, to kind of get over those hurdles? Because going through two gyms before fulfilling your dream, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking and it, and it definitely messes with your mental. So I want to dig into that a little bit. Yeah, bro. Uh, this is like, the it's like always two parts. So is the before this part and then this part, which yep. is just like the craziest thing possible. Um, so I basically got a crash course in business and life real hard when I was like 22 or 23 at the time. That's, that's when this process started. So, um, you know, I, I unfortunately didn't have the greatest, uh, leaving of the last gym I was at. I did everything correctly, but, uh, they kind of took things personally and tried to cause drama and bad mouth me, et cetera. And I just tried to be the bigger person, which that part sucked in general, but I was kind of like, whatever I expect this to happen. And when I left there, I had found a location that was on the main street of a local uh, town, like a like a cute little town. And, you know, I was hype about it because it obviously it was my first like actual location. Um, you know, there had to be some work done to it, but it was probably going to take about two months of work. And I was just, I was really excited. I had tons of motivation. I was super hyped. So you know, here I am putting in all this work, I'm putting everything on social media, getting everybody excited. And I think I had like 50 or 60 pre-sales of memberships, uh, you know, and, and things were going like awesome. And, and this was like a huge, just huge rush for me. And we get everything ready for like the grand opening. And I wanted to run a, uh, like a pre, pre-workout, like, like day just to kind of see how the flow of everything was and fine tune any last mistakes. And this is after I put in, like I said, months and months of work. It was basically me and just a couple other people. Like I didn't have a lot of people helping me. So I was just taking a lot of pride in everything I was doing. I was learning a lot of things and we have this workout and mind you. So it's uh, a retail space. So it's not commercial. It's a retail space right in the middle of a town. So there's obviously, uh, you know, businesses next door to me. And what's cool about this location is since it was on the main street, like I'm thinking tons of visibility. We have a lot of like glass windows. People are going to see what's going on, et cetera. So I bring in about 12 people to work out. And the, the location, I think it said it was 3,000 square feet, but there was basically about 2,000 square feet usable space. And it was a, in a rectangle shape just for visual references of what this building looked like. Right. Um, and right away, like, unfortunately, my gut was like, man, like, 12 people just already seems like a lot in here. <laughs> and I was kind of like, all right, well, that's probably at least my problems. Like I'll, I'll make it work. And uh, I had everybody get set up and we started doing like our workout, you know, music's bumping pretty loud. And one of the stations was uh, deadlifts. So we had some different bars set up. And I think there was one that was like 135, 225, a 315, like a 405 uh, deadlift bar. And we're just trying all different things out. And one of the guys went and picked up uh, like, 405 and when he dropped the bar on the ground literally like it felt like an earthquake in the facility like i'm talking like the floor felt like it was shaking the walls definitely were shaking and the sound that the bar had made was unlike anything i've ever heard and right away i was just like oh god like 
that, that didn't that didn't sound too good. And of course, like they didn't think anything was. They just kept like deadlifting, but it was just like getting worse and worse and worse. And I thought I was like, all right, dude, like let's just cut the deadlifts for right now. And uh, next thing I know is next door was a tattoo shop. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, so first off, what happened was is uh, they they had wall art right like in their tattoo shop, and <laughs> apparently when the bar was slamming, like things were just falling off their walls. So that was bad. And then the floors were shaking and the music and the sound was just going through the wall. So the whole thing is structurally what had happened is these were two units. And instead of having a concrete divider between our business and their businesses, it was just like two by four and like drywall. Um, so there's really like no barrier. The other thing was that the structural I-beam runs underneath the floors of both the businesses. So uh, anything felt right on one side is going to be felt on the other side. And then from there, uh, the concrete underneath the floor was just crumbling because it wasn't a foundationally poured floor. It was like slabs of like six by 10 concrete. That was maybe only like, I don't know, maybe a foot, uh, deep. So depending on where you were, like, it was just kind of like smashing the concrete. Um, and you know, right away, I'm like, all right, like, I'm going to get my landlord over here. We're going to figure this out. So I get the landlord over and they kind of see what's going on. And, you know, they're like, okay, uh, we're going to like get the structural plans for this. We're going to see what we can do, et cetera. So I'm like, okay. And meanwhile, my next door neighbor, he was super passive aggressive, but I could tell he already just like hated me and he would like avoid even like trying to talk to me or look at me. And, and then that's like, we just felt like we were on bad terms uh, with the next door neighbor, which is not what you want. Um, and at this point, like, I'm still kind of hopeful, but then they come back and after they sat with the structural engineer, it basically comes down to like, they would need to literally redo the entire building for this to even work. Uh, and the cost of that was like probably like, around like a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the landlord was just like, yeah, like we're not doing this. And like, basically I just found out this business isn't going to work. So, you know, first, you know, kick to the gut, I was like, oh my gosh, like, like there's got to be a way. And then I just came to terms with like that there wasn't a way and I needed to get out. So luckily I had gotten out of that lease and, and I mean, yeah, I lost money. Like I lost my security deposit. Um, but overall, like it wasn't anywhere near as bad as it probably could have been. Right. Um, besides just like the embarrassment for me, but I kind of like didn't really say much about it actually. Cause I was like, since we didn't really open, uh, like I'm just going to keep it under, under wraps. I'm just going to keep telling people like we're doing renovations, like, still figuring things out and I was kind of like, you know, able to work around that. Um, now after that, I had found a location pretty quickly that was in like the complete opposite, uh, like type of, of structure that this one was in. So this was in like a warehouse space. It was actually like connected to like a pet boys, um, you know, auto store and it was like a garage. It was very dirty and like dungeony looking. So it was very opposite. And, with this one, I was pretty pumped because of the location. I like the look of it, and I feel like after we put work in, it'd be great. So I put all my equipment in there and talked to the landlord at that one about like you know what needed to be done, and basically it came down to that we needed to add some bathrooms and just a couple other things. And you know I got a contractor; he mapped everything out. Contractor was ready to go, and. Uh, you know, I was talking to my landlord about the permits and he's just like, yeah, yeah, we're going to get it done. Like no problem. 
but like weeks started going by and I was like, okay, like what's the deal going on with this, this construction? He's like, Oh, it's the township. It's the township. So, oh, uh, fi- finally I'm like, I go to the township and they're like, no nah, man, like this is your landlord. So I'm like, okay, like, somebody's not telling me the truth here. And it kept going on for a little bit of time. And then finally I was like, okay, like now, you know, my livelihood's on the line. Like I don't have a place to train people. I'm losing tons of money. Uh, you know, and at this point I had put out like a video basically saying like, this is the gym, this is where it's going to be. And it was like all over Facebook. And it took me a lot of courage to even do that because it was showing that the other place it didn't work out for some reason. And, you know, so finally I just show up to my landlord's uh, business and I'm like, all right, dude, like, what is the deal? And I could tell he felt really bad and he was just embarrassed to even have to tell me this, but he's just like, yeah, man, like this, this isn't going to work. Um, mainly be- yeah, mainly because he wanted to run uh, a, like a second location of his business in the same space. And for his business to go in there and mine to be in there as well, uh, the parking spaces wouldn't work out. So he was trying to figure out a way to make it work. It just took a long time. And it was almost like I'd rather him just cut the head off the snake earlier and just say to him, me like straight up like, yeah, this isn't going to work. You know, like I want to put my business here, but instead it just, it just got drug on for way too long. So, you know, after hearing that, I'm not going to lie, man, like it was, it was awful. Like my, my, I tried to keep my composure, uh, but I really lost it. You know, I went down like a super negative, uh, headspace. Uh, I was super depressed. I, you know, just didn't even know if this was ever going to work. I was embarrassed. Like all these things I, I was really doing so well at pushing away, like just came flooding in. And, you know, I definitely went to a deep, dark place for a little while and, you know, it took me some time to get out of it. But then finally I was like, you know, let's just try like one more time. Let's try to look. And if this doesn't work out, like I'm done, like I'm either going to go back to school um, or I'm just going to get a job and be that provider. And like this dream just wasn't meant to happen. Like, that's what I felt like. I feel like at this point, like it just wasn't meant to be because of all the wrong things that had happened. Yep. So, uh, Went on some tours with the realtor. None of these places looked right or were what I was looking for. Uh, and I was just super bummed. And I had remember <laughs> calling my best friend. I always tell the story because it's just true. And uh, we talk about it till this day. And I, I was just like in a bad place. And I was like, my man, like, I just don't think this is going to work. And he's like, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. And I was just like, no, nah, like, I think, I think I'm done, man. Like, I, I really feel like this is just a sign. And, and he said to me, he's like, I've known you like my whole life. He's like, if you quit now and you don't fill this, this gym or this dream, he's like, then you're going to be a failure. And I remember it's like, it was so powerful. And I was just like, like you know, damn, it was like this dude, like this dude's right. Like if I don't do this, like that will be the definition of failure to me. Um, so of course, like out of a movie, my realtor calls and he's like, dude, we got one more spot. Like, but I need you to meet me there at like 6 p.m. And I'm like, it's just like such a weird, unconven- like inconvenient time to me. So, I, and like I went all day, all morning, and like I got home, and I was just like, just trained. <laughs> so I was like, all right, whatever, like let's go. And you were still working, so, right? Yeah. Oh no, no, no. At, at this point, I wasn't working. Dude. Like I, I had nothing going on in my oh, life, man. <laughs> but uh, so I was just like a low point, and I was just like, just drained of everything. But it was just funny because like I had gotten home and I just remember in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't even want to go to this. <laughs> like, like this is just, this is, I was just being lazy, of course, but I was like, I don't want to go. Like my, my, my mindset was just not good. So I get in the car, I drive over 
And sure enough, we show up at this uh, commercial uh, facility, but it was in like a nice complex, um, you know, tons of parking, like, and I walk in and it was, it was like gorgeous. Like it was a perfect mix of like a retail space, but commercial warehouse. Um, and it was clean and it had like had all the bathrooms and I was just like, Oh my gosh. Like, like, like I like just like, this is it. Like I like this is the spot. And, uh, you know, I started negotiating and basically I was like, you know, how fast can we get in here? And they're like, you get in within like in a month. And, uh, I was like, man, like this is it. I started showing people and they were getting excited. And so I pulled the trigger, you know, I got everything set up like in less than a month, which was just like all day, every day, hours of work. And I, and I had a couple of my friends and then uh, my manager, Tanya, like we were just killing it and hustling hard and you know, got the doors open and then that's, that's the, the lion's den. So sorry that it took 45 minutes to no. get to, no, <laughs> get not to the, the origin of the story, but, uh, no, yes, yeah, so that's, that's been the gym ever since. <laughs> no, I, I want to, I wanted to go through a lot of that because you know what happens. We, everybody that's, that's out there, especially now with, with, with the pandemic, everybody's sitting home thinking, Hey, I want to pull the trigger on this dream. And I want to kind of, showcase not the darker side of it but the fact that you know there's pitfalls and stumbling along the way and if you're really determined to get it off the ground you're gonna find a way and the thing about it is in your case you 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 got you got the one two punch it was like first location not gonna work second location not gonna work and the fact that you almost cashed it in and fate just intervened and here you are is just it's it's an amazing story and on top of that you're you're doing this sinking your own money into it, you know, bootstrapping it all the way through. And it's, it's a, it's a part of the story I really wanted to hone in on because I think that a lot of people can draw inspiration from that because that's the thing. So many people, I don't know where to start. What am I going to do? You know, I don't have enough money. What if I run out of money? And you went through it all to get this off the ground. And I think there's a lot of inspiration there. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, like I said, blessing in disguise is the whole thing because going through it, especially those hard times, like I just learned so much uh, about businesses. I learned so much about leases and, you know, all these different things that I feel like either I would have learned maybe later, but it happened so early that honestly, anything else that had happened after that, like wasn't a big deal. You know, it's kind of like, okay, he doesn't work. All right. Like, that's fine. Like, I'll just get that fixed, you know, yeah. like, and, and it's like, you know, there's just so much value in that experience. Um, and, you know, like I said, just blessing in disguise. But yeah, I think when people, you know, hopefully hear this story, yeah, they do realize that like, you, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. And it just comes down to the grit and uh, just being tenacious and, and just having a strong, uh, you know, mindset. Because in my case, I think there's so much stuff against me. Um, but yeah, like we found a way to do it. And if we didn't keep pushing, like we wouldn't be on this podcast now and be able to talk about all the other things that have, have and great things that have come out of that, that place, uh, from, from the start. So now with the gym running on full cylinders and you're, you're bringing your clients in, I want to get into, uh, what made you want to start, uh, competing in strongman because that's not a sport you just wake up one day and jump into. And I say this because you know, even, even with when I was younger and I was weightlifting, like my coaches in high school were like, yeah, you know, if maybe you might compete in, in high school, in college, but there's no programs for that. Like there were no outlets for that. Um, 
growing up and now there's obviously other things but what what made you want to start competing in that space yeah for sure so uh kind of going back to earlier like i always was an athlete i always loved being competitive and having that competitive nature so uh once i was out of college like you know i played college across i didn't really know what to do like what was my what was going to fulfill that competitive void um so I started getting into CrossFit, so I did CrossFit for a while, and CrossFit was cool, but there were some things I liked and didn't like about it, but I always remember, uh, I always loved the strength stuff about CrossFit, so like doing the Olympic lifts, uh, I had a blast with, and I ended up really getting into Olympic lifting and kind of segued more to that journey, so I competed in Olympic weightlifting for a good chunk of time, and uh, what had happened was uh, I had torn my knee and I need to get surgery for my knee. So when I had gotten that surgery, it kind of was like a good time to kind of think about like, you know, what I want to do next or where to head from here. And I was getting a little bit burnt out of weightlifting mainly because it was just super monotonous. And it was just the same lifts over and over again. Uh, you know, I was traveling far to train with other people and there wasn't many people around me that I could train with. So it was just like kind of like a loneliness uh, to the sport. And I just wanted something new. So um, when that had happened, I once again kind of went back to like my, you know, old roots and I had made some Atlas stones. I had some kegs, I had some tires. And when I was on YouTube, there was this guy whose name is Brian Aldrew and, uh, his, his Instagram and his gym is called never state uh, athletics. And he was based out of Maryland. And I started watching his videos and he didn't, he maybe had like 30 or 50,000 subscribers at the time. So it was, it was definitely an audience, but it, I think now he's like 200 some plus thousand. And, um, I was just intrigued by like the way he was training. It was, it was something different than what I was used to. So I actually contacted him and I was like, Hey man, like, uh, I see you're located in Maryland. Like I'd love to pay you for your time to come out and maybe teach me some straw man stuff. Uh, just cause I thought it just looked so cool. Like I knew uh the implements before but like i didn't really know how to use them i didn't really know even where to begin kind of like you were saying so i just figured i'll go reach out and talk to somebody else about it who competes in the sport knows more about the sport so drove down to maryland and uh he put me through the ringer of some different strongman stuff and different than olympic weightlifting like when you if you look at like so for example when i was an olympic weightlifter, i was probably like i think i I competed as uh under a 105 so it's about 220 225 and yeah, I looked in shape. I looked athletic, but you wouldn't think like, okay, this guy can clean and jerk 400 plus pounds. Like, you, you know, but when you look at a strong man, you're like, dude, these guys are freaks. <laughs> and I always really liked like the way these dudes look. I was like, they look like animals, you know? And I was like, yes, I can move a lot of weight and I'm athletic, but like now I, I want to look the part. And, um, that's kind of what drew me to that in the first place. But going out there training with Brian, I mean, he took me under his wing. He showed me, um, a ton of stuff and I just fell in love with it. And then me being the athlete that I was, I just signed up right away for uh, PA strongest man, which I thought was cool just to, you know, go for a run at my own state and just, uh, you know, see what that was all about. So it gave me something to train for. Um, and kind of the, the rest became history from there. But the side note that I just want to mention real quick is, so I, I obviously I, I have a YouTube channel and I have social media and this whole time I was making training videos. Like even when I was at that gym, uh, when I first started, I was making YouTube content, making videos and you know, the people there thought it was a waste of time and 
I was just trying to one, I wanted something that I could look back on and just see my progress. It was more like a training vlog for me. Right. But then two, I was trying to put out content and to maybe help people. Uh, no one ever really watched these videos whatsoever. And I have, I actually have to date like right about 900 videos on my YouTube channel. And, and really nobody even watched them till like the last like two or three years, but I've been doing it for about eight or nine years. And, uh, I was putting out more and more content throughout this whole process, you know, trying some different things out. And the channel really w- w- went nowhere. But when I met up with this Brian, uh, like he had a channel going. So he was very intrigued by my Olympic weightlifting background. And I had, we were just kind of got on talk on YouTube. And Brian had said to me, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, do you think you maybe like would want to make a video for uh, my YouTube channel? Uh, maybe like on like uh, a snatch or the clean and jerk. And right away, like I just said yes, like impulsively. But right after I said that, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I just commit to like I don't even know where to begin like now I'm just like afraid and and I was like this is probably gonna suck and and (laughs) anyway but I had made that YouTube video for him and um this is when YouTube was was really like I would say in its prime and he had put the YouTube video on his channel and I think like overnight I got like two or three thousand subscribers that's and uh yeah so I was just like what like this is crazy and uh that is really what got the YouTube channel started um, you know, and meeting Brian, my connection with him, everybody at Never Say Uncle Nick and Olu and Billy and all, all my friends uh, from there, like they, they hold such a special place to me because that was kind of like the birth of where a lot of things really started going in a positive direction for that aspect of the business. Because, you know, I look at things like I have uh, the brick and mortar location and then I have my online business. They're, they're two separate yet interconnected things. Uh, but I just think that was always a cool story uh, because that's what really like, you know, had, had started the catalyst for that growth. and. And then open doors to like so many of the other people that I've met in the industry. But circling back to your point is that got me into straw man. You know, I then competed at PA strongest man and I won uh, that show, which was really cool. And that gave me a ticket to, to compete in nationals. And from that point until nationals, I kept competing pretty regularly just to try different implements, you know, get my name out in the sport, learn as much as I could. And uh, it started growing. Uh, I would say in the gym, like I started doing more of it in the gym and we were kind of one of the only strongman gyms in the area, which kind of made it more of a niche and a reason for people to come train at the gym because they were intrigued. They had never seen this type of equipment before. And uh, now, you know, on top of all the other things that we do, we have a really awesome uh, strongman, strongwoman uh, uh, presence at our gym with uh, like world's athletes, national athletes. And just your everyday people who compete in strongman just to, to grow the sport. So uh, it, it was really cool how that panned out. And I would say it was kind of ahead of its time. But now it seems like a lot more people are interested in trying it just because the popularity of it. And it was nice to get into it uh, earlier. Well, the, the funny thing is, and again, dating myself a bit, like I remember watching uh, strongman on ESPN. I remember seeing uh, Marius Bujanovsky and I was just like, Yo, I need to be that strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and like Bill Kazmaier, I'm like, yo, I need to be that strong. And it was funny because the, the thing about your story was that you sought out inspiration from your peers, which was great. You know, Brian's out there doing his content. It was funny because I remember, um, going down the rabbit hole of YouTube, I remember seeing the, the Never Sate videos and I'm like, yo, this guy's intense as all hell. And I thought it was just crazy that there were, so many people out there that were really preaching, not unconventional training, but training that 
I always like to tell people I like to be functional, meaning like I always used to lift weights because like it was like me, my mom and my brother. And it was like, hey, I need you to move this refrigerator. So it was I always trained and put my training in that real world application. And I always feel that strongman people sleep on it a lot. And I like the fact that you're preaching it so much is just awesome to me because I feel that we all pick things up and put things down on a consistent basis. And the fact that strongman makes it so relatable and so easy, not easy to get into, but just like you said, you can get kegs, you can get tires, you can find stones anywhere and, and really use that to build a base. is just, it's just amazing. Yeah. And it's just fun, man, too. Like sometimes, you know, it's really important to have that variable of keeping your training fun. So, yep. Uh, basically for like a straw man class, it could just be like, okay, like who's going to move this big object from <laughs> point A to point B. And it's like, you know, your ego kicks in. You're like, Oh, I can do it. And then you go to try to pick it up and it's like way harder than you thought. And the next guy or girl is like, Oh, I'm going to try it. Um, and then before you know it, it's been 60 minutes. You're kind of covered in sweat <laughs> and object has been moved further from point A, maybe to point B, but it, it just keeps it interesting. keeps it fun. It's different. So it's like, if you're trying to change up your training a little bit, uh, you're tired of doing the monotonous stuff. Um, you know, people have a blast and, uh, it's been really cool to be able to grow the sport. You know, we, we hold four competitions a year at the lion's den and the, the most of the athletes are all their first time beginners. You know, we, like our novice classes, it's like 90% of the athletes, but I think that's super cool. So we cater our shows to people just trying to get in the sport and it's just your everyday people. And I always joke around and I got that from Brian Alzer, but it's like, we can't take anything super serious if it's going down in the back of a some parking lot somewhere. You know right. what I mean? Like, like if people want to go to nationals and be world's athletes, like that's awesome. And, and there's, you know, people that do that. But for the most part, it's like we compete. We go to work the next day. Like, yeah, I'm a national champion. I've competed internationally. Uh, I have some really cool accolades in that sport. But I go to Wawa. No one knows the hell I am. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's it's cool, but it's just something fun to do. Uh, a hobby like you know you're not getting paid uh, tons of money for it so uh, i just really enjoy it for that aspect and i love watching people get into it and growing the sport i also think that i like that it was the throughout this entire journey content creation was still a part of your branding and i want to get into that like you know your training videos even the podcast like there's there's a level of detail in there that is just so subtle but it shows that you're really just paying attention to that aspect of your branding because yeah, you can go out there and put on a camera and go, Hey, this is how you do it. But the thing about it is you, you got the presence, you've got it all down to a science. And I want to get into that a little bit because the thing about it is most people, they just think, Oh, I'll turn on a camera and put a video on YouTube and hope for the best. But you're, you talking about recording the video for Brian, just walk me through that. Like, how did that how did that experience help you fine tune your content? Yeah, for sure. Uh so I've always been interested in the, the content creating aspect of it. And when I first got into it for me, like I said, it was more like creating my own photo book or like picture album, but it'd be like through videos. So, you know, I started ten years ago and watch my first video, which I think is actually me calling out Rich Froning in the CrossFit games, which is absolutely embarrassing and <laughs> We can see that that didn't go anywhere, <laughs> but hey, man, super confident until <laughs> now where, you know, their production quality is a lot better. You know, I put in a lot of time and effort to learning 
about how to better my channel, uh, you know, and, and keep the subscribers happy, also myself happy with the content I'm putting out, and try to leave the world a better place than, than I came into it. But for making Brian's video, yeah, it was like, I really didn't even know where to begin. At that point, I was doing a lot of vlogs, and I became very good at uh, just talking to the camera, which I feel like a lot of people struggle with, and I did in the beginning too. Like, Hell yeah. you know, yeah, like you have to build that confidence uh, with just talking to a camera. Like, it seems weird, but you know, it's just a, an object sitting in front of you. You know, you're going to make mistakes. So at that point, I was pretty comfortable doing that. But the issue that I had is scripting. So I was very like, go by the you know, fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy. Like I didn't really write any scripts or notes down. Like I would just, you know, point and shoot baby. And whenever it came out is what was put on YouTube. But, <laughs> and I also didn't care because nobody was watching these videos. So it's like, whatever. Um, but now it's like, Hey, the pressure's on. Like I need to actually, you know, make a, a quality video. So I had to sit down, I had to write a script and outline of what I wanted to cover. I was trying to watch some other people's videos to just see like how they formatted more like tutorial style videos uh, and make sure that, you know, it's just going to be a better format and structure for the video I had to put out. So that was probably the biggest difference with that video. Um, I think I had just got a new camera at the time too. Like up until that point, I was just using my iPhone. And then since I wanted to do more vlogs, I had bought into the Canon G7X, which, you know, I thought was like, so cool and such an upgrade you know and and me being like a broke business owner at the time like spending i don't even know what it was maybe like five or six hundred bucks on a camera was yep. like crazy to me um to now where i swear i've spent over like 10 g's on all the crap that i have now so it's just funny like how that all works out but um yeah so i i filmed that and you know i just kind of just stuck with that process and you know uh at some point, I remember sitting down with myself and being like, okay, like, I feel like I can really make this serious. I don't know if it was when I like saw that I could get paid from YouTube or what it was, um, or just that the subscribers were counting. Cause it was like, okay, after I had like anywhere from like two to 5,000, I was like, my next mark was 10,000 10, subscribers and, you know, trying to get more into it. And I also saw once I had made this channel and the, the video started growing. It started impacting my business where I started getting messages and emails about people wanting programs, right? And then, yeah. like, I didn't have any of this stuff at the time. Um, so then I was like, all right, like, I started making programs. So that kind of branched off to me making program templates. Um, and then I realized that the YouTube is just a free platform for me to deliver content to people. And then from putting out that free content, people started asking for things that would be of monetary value. So they wanted programs, they wanted apparel, uh, they wanted to travel to the gym. And I just kept seeing this correlation of as the YouTube channel grew, my business was growing. Right. You know, as the YouTube channel grew, I was making more money. Um, and then it was just like one thing led to another. I started, you know, traveling more for these collaborations with other, uh, you know, influencers, quote unquote, in the industry and people with big YouTube channels. And, you know, now, honestly, I... Like my friends that I have are, are like, I've never thought that I would be in this position to hang out with certain, you know, some of these people and uh, call my friends, but I can. And it's just been a really cool journey. I think one of one of the greatest, well, one of the great things that I saw uh, in, in preparing for our conversation was your photo meeting Mark Bell. And then you're <laughs> like, here I am getting a box from Mark Bell. 
like to see that. And I like Mark Bell. His stuff is, is phenomenal. Um, to, to see that and that right there just shows, you know, that the, the juice is worth the squeeze, so to speak. Like that right there. Like I'm like, that embodies what this conversation is all about. Like here you are as a fan and now, you know, he's a peer to you. Yeah, it, man. It's, 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 uh, it's pretty wild. <laughs> You know, like I, I'll still never forget. Like I think, I think it just came on my Facebook. It was six years ago that I met Mark Bell, and you know, I was a nobody at the time, and a nobody to him for sure. And then, uh, you know, yeah, to be able to have him send me stuff personally, like write me letters or you know, comment or like in the DMs and stuff. Yep, it, it's pretty surreal. And even like, like one of my close, well, I'm really, really close to Alan Thrall. Like he's one of those guys that I wish just lived. Uh, closer to me because I know we'd probably be like best friends. Um, but even just to have him as like, you know, uh, someone I talk to on a regular basis. And then uh, my friend Juji Mufu or John Call is like a relationship that kind of came out of nowhere. And it's like he's coming up next week to hang out with me. And then I'm going to his place for like a week. And, you know, these are just things like when if you were to say to me years ago, like, yeah, dude, like these, this is going to be your circle of people. And, you know, and this is the things you're going to do. Like, yeah, man, I never thought it was possible, uh, where, where I'd be in this position. Um, but it's, it's been such a cool and fun journey. So you were saying you spent a lot of money now to create your content. So how do you film your videos now? What, what gear are you using? Cause obviously we, we, we dig into that on this podcast. So how are you filming now? Yeah, for sure. Um, so some of the stuff I probably definitely need to upgrade. Like I, I think for what I do, it's enough to get me by, but. Uh, one of the things that I have as a goal when I expand the gym next is going to set up like a permanent like recording studio like space. Because right. Um, like right now it's either somewhere in the gym and I have like lights and stuff that I move around or it's in my office that I redid so it looked better for uh, content purposes. But I want like a designated like podcast recording studio, uh, you know, filming studio, et cetera. But so right now I rock the Sony uh, A6500. Uh, I would like to upgrade that, but. You know, I, I think I had the A6300, and unfortunately, uh, during one of my collabs, it got dropped and it mm. broke. So uh, I had to get a new one. Uh, but these things happen. But for the quality that I put out, I think it's a, a perfectly fine camera. Yep. And if you like the way my stuff looks, that's just the the A6500. Um, but I've bought like an external monitor that I have on there, so when I'm doing my own stuff, you know, I can see myself and make sure the the shots the way I want it. Uh, I have a bunch of lenses. I typically for vlogging use a 16 millimeter Sigma, uh, 1.4 f-stop lens, which I think is super sharp. Oh, it's um, a beautiful lens. Yeah, the one that I wanted to get was the Art one. I think it's the 18 to 30 something, um, the Sigma Art one, because that's like the perfect range for for just shooting, you know, the angles that I want. Um, so if I do get a new lens, that would be the lens that I get, the Sigma R1. Like I said, it's the range from the 18 to 30, or, or I think that's what it is. Um, and then I have a 30 millimeter Sigma lens that I use sometimes, which I really like. That's super sharp. And then just a typical uh, zoom lens that goes from 18 to, I think, uh, what is it? One, 105. One, I think 105, yep. yeah. That's a great um, lens. It has the internal it has the internal barrel, so the lens doesn't get like super big and ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that that one's nice, and I use that for like all purpose stuff of like. And I also just like when I shoot videos, especially vlogs, like being able to quick zoom and zoom out. I think it's a nice effect. Where with the prime lens, I don't have that uh, capability, so right. that's why I would like 
like an 18 to 30. Just, it's just, I don't know. I just think like little stuff like that, I think makes blogs better. It's more dynamic. Um, but you know, I have like my typical gorilla, uh, tripod that I use. I, for audio had upgraded. So I had a, a video or a road video micro, I think yep. was on my, uh, camera. And then I got those, uh, wireless goes. So, so great. They're, they're amazing. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, like audio is, is sometimes or is more important than video. Yep. Um, so upgrading that really will bring, uh, the audio better out, uh, when I'm recording stuff. And then for podcasting, it depends what I'm doing. Like I have, uh, the, the zooms, um, I have both of them. I have the one with the two mic and then I have a four mic. And, uh, if I'm traveling, they're super easy to bring for just recording quick audio for podcasting. Um, microphone wise, I'm actually not using this. Unfortunately, just my uh, earphones, but I have the Yeti blue, which sometimes I use. That was actually what I used when I first started podcasting, which is the Yeti blue microphone. And then I got like a, what do you call it? A sound screen for it. So it just sound a little bit more crisp. And, uh, when I want to do like sit down podcasts, I use the, uh, the road, um, just like the road board. It's like, I don't know. If, I don't know. Oh, the, the roadcaster pro. Yeah. Roadcaster pro. That's it. Love so it. I use that and then I'll hook it up to four other road microphones that are super nice. And, uh, that's nice. Just when I have like four people, it's easy soundboard to operate, you know, and it does the job to make it sound like studio quality. So that's pretty much it. I mean, I have like different ND filters, little gadgets like that, little lights that I use depending on like where I'm at or what I'm doing. But like I said, I've set up my office to look more appealing on videos when I do shoot in there. And then I try to get better with the lighting situation in the gym. Uh, so I've been like learning little things here and there by people um, just because, you know, obviously for me, it comes down to content. Like I want to make sure I'm delivering good content. And as long as I can, you know, be happy with the video and it all depends on the video, like vlogs, I try to just get up quick. So they're going to be very point shoot. I need to edit them fast. I need to put it out. Other times when I really want to sit down and edit and I have more time, I really like to take down to plan out the shots you know, uh, script the videos, put more time into that. And you can see that in the work. So, but like I said, the main thing for me is just delivering quality content, uh, so that when they watch it, they're learning something, they're engaged with the video. So it all really depends on the video and what I use camera and setup wise. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I mean, if you have any more questions, feel free to ask, but that's kind of off the top of my head, like a lot of stuff that I use and then editing software, I use, uh, uh all Adobe stuff. Oh, nice. You, you know, it, it's funny with, you know, we use a, we use a road here in, in my home studio, but I actually, a while back, I saw, um, there's a guy I think is, uh, I'll, I'll send you the link. He made, um, he used a rolling C stand, like a light stand. Yeah. And he essentially has his whole studio clamped to that. And it's funny as you're telling me this, I'm like, wow, that would probably work well for you. Cause you just got a heavy duty C stand clamped everything on and he just rolls it around. It has the light attached and everything. That's awesome. So yeah, might. I'm always looking for, for little like, you know, gadgets like that. Yep, like, I'll for send me, you the link. Yeah, send that over. But like the one thing I'll say is like everybody wants a, a podcast video, like when we like video with the podcast, I mean. Right. And the issue with that is so the 6500 only records the 30 minutes. Yep. And I need to figure out a way. I mean, I just probably just, you know, don't know, but I want to record for a whole length. And I have a solution easy, for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let <laughs> me know any of that stuff. Like, these are like, I'm by no means a pro. Like I know the basics, you know, so I'm always looking to learn like uh-huh. whatever is easiest for me to do and has like 
the best effect, <laughs> uh, I'm always down for. Well, the, the easiest thing, all you got to do is swap out that 6,500 for a 6,400. And yeah. the 6,400 has no recording limit. And then you just nope. buy, you just buy a dummy battery, plug it in, and you're off to the races. Now, what's the difference between the 64 and the 6600? Like, uh, the 6600 uses a bigger battery, and it has the um, it has built-in uh, stability. Uh, but you know, if you're putting it on a tripod already, like the 6400 is just a better value in that case. You could just easily throw it on down, you know, sell the 6500 body, get the 64, because that's what we use here. Um, like I said, you buy a dummy battery, you plug it in hardwired, and you're off to the races. Okay, and then if you good. want, if you want to do a multi-camera, you can get this thing called an ATEM Mini, which is awesome. It basically, it's almost like a switcher, and you can plug your roadcaster that you're using now into the ATEM Mini, and then you can plug in the 6400 with HDMI, and it's cool because it's just, you can press buttons and switch the camera angles and everything. It's phenomenal, and it doesn't cost a lot. Yeah, I need that. Like, yeah, I'll, and, I'll send you. I'll send you all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds cool, man. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but before we jump into some of the other stuff, I want to I want to talk about your boy Zeke, and um, I want to talk about what you know how important it is to have you know, especially in your case, a companion, and more importantly, you know, tell me how you got Zeke and how he <laughs> came into your life. You're that Zeke. You're gonna be on the podcast, bro. He yep. just looks. He's looking at me now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Zeke. Oof, I love Zeke, man. He is. He's the coolest. So I grew up. I've always had dogs. I've had about, I want to say, nine dogs throughout my lifespan. Like with my family, like with their family dogs. But um, always have been a dog lover. You know, I, I say that I don't judge people, but I feel like people who don't like dogs, unless they had like a traumatic experience, like I get that, you know. But at the same time, I'm like. Oh, come on, like, I don't know how people don't love dogs. They're, they're like the coolest things ever. And for the most part, I think I like dogs more than I like some humans. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, I'm just messing around. I think, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so Zeke, um, I really wanted a dog. I actually had a puppy, Pitbull, that I got when I was in college. Uh, her name's Kai, and I actually named her after Kai Green, the bodybuilder. I was nice. really into bodybuilding. And she's a black Pitbull, and I just thought, hey, it went, it went hand in hand, you know? Um, but uh, when I moved out of my parents' house, at that point, she was, like, such so attached to all of their dogs and kind of a family dog. Like, I just felt like it wasn't right to take her out of that environment. So it was a really tough decision for me. And I still see her, like, when I visit my parents, and I love her to death. But a part of me is missing uh, for years, just not having that in my life. And, you know, I waited till I had matured more and, I, and things were on a good page and I had the gym and you know, I really wanted a, a gym dog or a gym animal. I still am in the process of maybe getting a pig or a goat for the gym, which is kind of unique. But, um, yeah, so I had contacted my friend at the time who is a professional dog trainer. He does, like, show dogs, all, all, all things. Like, he's got a crazy facility uh, that he had, had just bought, which is, is super cool. But when I reached out to him, I just said, hey, man, I'm looking for, you know, a pit bull or, like, King Corso, Mastiff. I wanted, like, a big dog. And I said, if, if you have anything that pops up or you know any breeders, like, please let me know. And uh, literally, he messed me back. He's like, hey, man, this is super strange. And don't feel any pressure. He's like, I had just gotten this pit bull uh, surrendered to me. And he's, he's like such a sweetheart. Like, uh, I've, I've actually worked with him. And so long story short, 
uh, when he was working with his family uh, with uh, Zeke, they basically just didn't want him anymore, and he was going to be put down. And my buddy was just like, "No, like I feel like his dog has a ton of potential. Uh, you know, I'd love to see him at home rather than you know being put down." So he just said, "Like if you can, like surrender me the dog, and I'll find a home for it." So they surrendered him the dog, and. Um, He's like, you know, I, he sent me some pictures and uh, the dog was, was absolutely like adorable. Uh, a little bit on the smaller end. Like these are just like my initial thoughts. I was like, okay, like I really wanted a big dog. Like I had rescued a King Corso about five years ago uh, from Kensington in Philly. And he was like a fight dog. And um, at eight months old, he was like 90 pounds, like just huge and gorgeous. And I, and I got him for free, which is the coolest thing. Because normally those dogs are like 3000 plus dollars yep. uh, for the way this stud looked. Um, and I actually had given him to my brother. Uh, because I felt like my brother needed that kind of companionship. And, and I'm glad I did because they're like best friends. And I still get to see, uh, his name's Leo, but I get to see Leo uh, from time to time. But that was like what I was looking for. So when I saw his picture, I was like, man, super cute. But like it was on the smaller end and uh, he was like super skinny. Like you could see like his like ribs and stuff. So clearly he was just seemed like there's some sort of neglect going on. Um, and then uh, my buddy had sent me videos of him running around. And I was like, oh, this guy is like, he looks cool, great energy. And I didn't even know, but he was missing a leg. <laughs> like, oh, I couldn't even tell yep. uh, in the video that he didn't have a leg. And then he just sent me a text, like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I got to add that, like, he's a tripod. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so uh, he ends up driving over, like, an hour later to meet me at the gym. And right away, I see Zeke. And, uh, you know, it's hard for me, like, not to fall in love with dogs, but uh, he has such great energy. Like, just such a mild temperament. Like he loves to play and he's amazing with other dogs. Um, but if he's not doing that, he just sits on the couch. Like he just sits by my side and uh, it's just weird. Like he kind of acts like a human, like he loves to cuddle. Like, you know, every dog is different. You know, I've had yep. all different types of dogs and how they act, but for him, he was basically exactly what I needed. Um, and yeah, man. So like right on the spot, I remember I just asked if I could take him for a couple days, like see how a weekend stay goes. And, uh, you know, we fell in love with each other and, uh, you know, he's been my, my best friend ever since everyone at the gym loves him. You know, we all play with him and, uh, you know, he just is, there's like, I don't know. I really haven't met like a more like perfect dog, uh, than with him. I've had no, no issues and yeah, it's great. That's awesome. I, I, I want I wanted to kind of talk about that because sometimes, you know, especially with a lot of the aspects of your story, like that companionship. Um, sometimes you, you just want somebody around that, that can listen more than anything. And I think that pets are, are very intuitive and they kind of just help you kind of, kind of de-stress from a lot of the burdens of the day to day. So it, I wanted to share that story because number one, Zeke is unique. Number two, he's, he's like, I, you know, we were talking about before we started recording, he's just become a part of who you are. He's kind of woven into the fabric of the gym and he, he deserved to to get his, his his shine on you know yeah it's just Zeke's world man i'm just living in it but uh <laughs> you know he's cool too like you know sometimes i can be symbolic with things but like with him it's like you know i see his dog and he's just he's come from a really tough background you know like he's missing a leg he was hit by a car you know he was neglected and when i got him like he was super underweight you know he was missing hair everywhere because uh basically these people just locked him in a crate all day and Jeez. you know it's just like you know, you see him and it's like, he doesn't even act like he doesn't have a leg. He sprints around, he's adapted. You know, he's just lovable and happy. And 
he probably could have become a really aggressive dog or he could have had behavioral problems. Not to say that it couldn't be fixed, but like, you know, something in him somehow just made him take the other route. So like, you know, having him around just a constant reminder, like, and everyone that, that knows they love him and they just say like, you know, he couldn't have been more of a perfect dog for you at a perfect time. And, you know, not to say I still don't go through like struggles and stuff. Like I think, you know, we, we always go through struggles. And so like you said, just to have, you know, when I show up at the house, some, somebody that's happy to see me or, you know, and I can just take him out and, you know, go for a walk with him and include him in my life. Uh, you know, that, that's special. And he has become like part of the brand, you know, in some yep. sense where like, <laughs> you know, I, I know people are excited to, to meet him or like they see him in the videos and like when they come in the gym, it's, it's often funny too. Even with me, like sometimes I forget how much stuff I do put on social media because people will talk to me and like, they do know me. Like, uh, and it's like, this could be my first time. Like we, we had a guy come from Colorado the other week and you know, like he knew all these things about me and it's like, he's known me this whole time. Right. And it's the same thing with Zeke. Like they come in and they're like, ah, Zeke, you know, and I'm like, that's <laughs> cool. Like it's nice. And I'm, I'm happy that everyone loves him so much. Well, you know, it, going back to what you said earlier, it's like, you know, I go into Wawa and nobody knows who I am, but the funny thing is because of the content and, and the value you're bringing to people, people do know you. And it's crazy because like, like I said, before we started recording, like I learned about your work because I was watching a bunch of other different strength videos, just trying to, to vary things up. And, you know, right off the rip, I was like, man, you know, like this dude, totally a different way of training, more in line with how I like to do things, you know, and I, it just, and here we are having this conversation. So it's, it's funny how that works, especially, like I said, listening to your podcast, going through doing prep for our conversation, just learning so much, getting so much insight. Um, it's easy to just develop that kinship. And I feel like that is a gift and a curse because I'm sure, you know, sometimes you meet people, they know all this stuff about you and you're just like, Hey dude, like, like that's a little much, especially if you're more reserved and more guarded with certain aspects of your life. But like you said, you share a lot. So like there, there, there are certain things you shared in one, one of your podcast episodes. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of, a lot of stuff. I mean, one of your guests, I remember talking about, he got his, um, his, uh, one of his family members ashes tattooed into him which I thought was impossible to do. Like, I'm like, wow, that, that's a thing <laughs> like that. You know, and I, I just, I was like, wow, that's, that's insane. You know, I mean, you know, when, when my mom passed that, that something like that would have never crossed my mind. But like hearing that, I'm like, man, why didn't I think, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just crazy. The, the camaraderie yeah. based on, on content, you know? Yeah, man. Like, like you said, uh, you know, it could be a blessing and a curse. I'll have you look at it. Uh, you know, I have to remember too, like I chose this life, like yep. this is the life that I'm living. So, you know, I remember uh, hearing people talk about like expos, right? And people who never thought that they would be standing at an expo all day, say like Mark Bell or like a Juji Mufu type of figure or, you know, Alan Thrall, people that come to the gym, like, like when we were starting, like we would kill for that, you yep. know? So it's like to think, to try to get back in that mindset of like, you know, what, what, like, what would we have been like? when we first started, you know, and, and yeah, sometimes things can be a lot or people can be a lot, or maybe you get some people that are a little bit strange, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, this is par for the course. Uh, things could be way worse, you know? Yeah. So I just am like grateful to be in the position that I'm in to have the things that I have to know the people that I know and to do the things that I do. So yeah, man, it, like I said, I just keep coming back. Like it's a, it's a wild ride. I think it's crazy that somebody would even want me like for, you know, an hour or two to just talk about these types of things. Like, 
Oh, yeah, you know, man. so so it, it's it, it's cool, and I, like that's why I enjoy this, and uh, I always like giving back to people whenever I can. Uh, and I try not to say no to any opportunities because you never know like where these things will go or stem from. Uh, so that's kind of like literally where I've gotten to where I've been is just by, you know, just being like, yep. Now the, uh, the next part of the podcast we do is the hot seat. It's just a series of rapid fire questions, uh, relating to the conversation we've had, just stuff we're into, et cetera. So, um, just right off the cuff again, just no pressure. Um, when you turn on your phone in the morning, what are three mobile apps you can't live without? Uh, definitely Instagram. Um, probably my Facebook and my Gmail in terms of like business, I would say those are crucial, but I'll have to add a fourth one. Of course, uh, probably two, two extra ones for sure. All right. You're killing me with this three stuff. I need at least five. Um, I love uh, like either Spotify or SoundCloud just for music. I'm a huge music buff, so I need those. And then uh, YouTube, of course. Love YouTube. Nice. Darn, you're killing me, dude, because I like Audible, too. Oh, <laughs> my God. I hate this question. Next. <laughs> um, what was it like getting your, your sponsorship? Uh, which one? HD. <laughs> HD, the newest one. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> HD, HD was really cool. Uh, I actually didn't even know it was going to happen. And I think I was kind of set up by Juji. Uh, so like I said, Juji, uh, not a side ramp, but like he's someone that I met the guy I think three or four years ago through Brian Alsrew. Um, and it was one of those things where like, it just naturally started happening where we just became closer and closer, you know, and we really enjoy each other's company. And I think with Juji, it's because I just like him as a person. Like I don't like, want anything from him like i've literally gone out there and just trained with him and there's tons of videos that we never made because we were just training like <laughs> like we just love to be in each other's company so uh you know i'm just so grateful for his relationship and friendship and he's someone who's so knowledgeable like i always tell people think about gg is he's one of the most genuine people you ever meet and he's also one of the most calculated and, and intelligent people you'll ever meet like everything that guy does is calculated and intelligent and there's a reason for it even if it doesn't seem like there's a reason, there is, you know. So I, I've learned a lot from him, especially with YouTube, uh, with business and uh, just life, you know. Like he's someone who's killing it, right? And there's so many things you can learn from a perspective of somebody who has, you know, a million followers and a million subscribers. And like, you know, they, they basically have everything that you could want. Um, and just the way he handles everything and the way he views things is just... It just has made impact on me. So from a friendship perspective, like he's one of my favorite people for sure. Um, but the, so the sponsorship was cool because like when Juji tells me to be somewhere, I just go. And he was like, Hey man, super last minute. Uh, would love for you to go to Tennessee with me. Uh, there's this bodybuilding, like, like a gym opening. And it's kind of like, uh, like a cool little grand opening. Like would love to go. And I was just like, bodybuilding like i'm not really into like in the bodybuilder world like i'm right. a strong man um but my gut was just like all right and then he kind of emphasized like you really should go <laughs> so, <laughs> so so i was like all right so i booked the flight last minute you know I, i'm just like all about the hustle so i was like all right like i'm getting on a plane like early get there uh meet juji you know and 
and we're checking out this gym. And I guess it was like you know, Mr. Olympia, his name was Brendan, Brendan Curry at the time. And he opened this gym. It's called Carbon Culture. And I, I knew Juji was sponsored by HD because every time I go to Juji, I would actually use the supplements and I really love them. And, and I, and I was just taking it because I didn't like, obviously when I pack, like I, I just try to pack minimally. So, uh, and, and where he lives, it's uh, North Carolina. So when we're training, man, it's like humidity is a hundred percent. It's hot and we're outside all the time. So the supplements actually helped me because I was like trying not to die while we train all day outside. Um, and I like them. And we were just kind of talking about it. But anyway, so we go to this event. We're having a good time. We're training. And uh, Juju was just like, yeah, hey, man, um, I, I want to introduce you to these HD guys. And he's just like, I really feel like this would be like a really good career move for you. And uh, I'm like, okay, cool. So I like, you know, we're kind of talking. And, you know, there's this guy, Antoine, which is like one of the, he's one of the most like notorious Instagram bodybuilders. And one of Juju's friends is they were like teenagers. And he's a, a French Canadian guy. So. He's just cracking me up. Like, I love his accent. He's an absolute monster. Like, he's going into Mr. Olympia. Um, and I typically, like, really don't ever get starstruck with people because I just like people. Right. Uh, and I just thought, Anton, like, if you watch the video, you can just type in, like, Juji Mufu and Joey. And he's, like, one of the videos. And it, when you watch it, you can just tell. He's just, he's just so much fun. Uh, so I enjoy that experience. And then Juji comes back over. And, and he actually, I think he was gone for, like, an hour or two. And I was just kind of hanging out. And he comes back. He's like, yeah, man. So, uh. I showed him all your stuff and I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, I showed him like a YouTube channel. I, I was telling him all about you. And he was just like, I, I really like think this would be good for you. And, uh, so we ended up having like this, like kind of like meeting. Um, and there was some, some stuff going on with my other stuff and company. And, you know, I just felt like overall it was a better move for me. And I really liked the people, like what they were about. And, uh, I've, I've tried the products and for me, it was kind of like a no brainer, honestly, like my, my, everything was like sold in my opinion. Like I didn't really right. need it convincing my, my gut felt good about it. Like my mind felt good about it. Um, so basically, yeah, he like tricked me to come out. Like, yeah, we <laughs> trained for a little bit, but he was trying to set me up for this like sponsorship deal, which is totally him just like looking out for me. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, it was nice. So that was a long answer to that question. No, Sorry. no, no. I, I wanted to share that because it's one of those things where when when you promote them you you come off like it's no bullshit like you're real genuine so i'm like he's got to use the stuff somebody definitely had to share it with him for he to be so in, for him to be so enthusiastic about talking about it because sometimes you can see especially you know as a content creator when somebody's doing a read or something you're like you you could care less about this product oh yeah yeah dude i'm like 100% genuine about that like yep. if i will not promote if i don't love it like i love supplements. I take supplements every day, whether the research tells you it's a placebo or not. Like, I don't even care. Like I, I love it. Like, yes, obviously I know that things work. Of course. Do, are they, are they like this huge magic formula? Like, no, like it's not a magic pill. Like if you're someone who trains hard, you know, your nutrition's in check and you take all the other recovery protocols, like stress management, sleep, or et cetera. This is like the little bit extra top of the pyramid, but I'm a guy who's like driven by performance. So yeah, of course. Like if I said, okay, you can do all these things and be here, or you can do all these things and then add this and it could potentially make you better. Yeah. Like I, I'm down for that. So I've always loved taking supplements, you know, like whether it was when I was a teenager up until now. And, and I'm really proud to be a part of their team just because, uh, even like on the back end, like communicating with the people that they work with, their intentions, they're like getting to see the facilities where they manufacture everything. Like I find that so cool and to know that like, they, they are like all in about it. Like it, it really makes me believe in them. And uh, from a quality and 
pace perspective. Like, love it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, not to harp on it, but <laughs> it's just it's just a cool story, and I'm really glad that it, it all worked out that way, uh, and I'm really pumped to rep them. So th- that was a lead into this question. What's a what's a supplement that people that you enjoy that people sleep on? Supplement that I enjoy that people sleep on. Yep. Hmm. Let me think about it. Um, I mean, I'll just run you through like maybe what I take on a daily basis and then maybe some things sure. that, uh, that works too. Like, yeah. So basically, so I always take, uh, whey protein. Okay. Uh, so you can take whey protein or, or casein. It doesn't really matter. Whey or protein. I like whey better. Uh, I take my EAAs. So the essential amino acids, which you need to take in the, through your diet because your body doesn't produce them. Yep. I take creatine every day which everybody should take. I have my grandma on creatine, like everybody like take creatine. It's just good overall. Um, then I have my vitamins. So just daily vitamin, take that glutamine, another thing, throw that in there. Uh, that's kind of like all my concoction for when <laughs> I take my shake. Uh, typically I like to have some sort of carb, uh, powder or source. Uh, HD has it. And there are a lot of other companies that have carb supplements. Uh, but basically you're trying to replenish, uh, the glucose and glycogen in your body once you use it for training hard. Uh, but you can also just do like Gatorade and water, right? It's just any sort of carb source that's quick acting. So the key there is just quick. So like some turbo, some sort of fast sugar to get into your body. Uh, so I always take that. It's something that I probably take that uh, I put on a little bit, but so I, I've been getting really into sleep, right? Mm. And optimizing uh, my sleep quality as best as possible. So there's a lot of factors involved with that, but in terms of getting a good night's sleep. So a lot of people take melatonin, right? Right. So the issue with melatonin is that it will help you fall asleep, but it doesn't keep you asleep. So a lot of people don't know that. So if you have a problem with waking up, like melatonin is not going to fix that at all. Uh, the other thing with melatonin is that it's typically inaccurately dosed. So uh, mm, when, okay. you, when you look at the bottle, it can range from either being 15% of whatever the dose is on there up to 400 times whatever is on there. Jeez. So you really never know how much you're actually getting um, with melatonin. And there have been some studies showing that it can mess with your hormones. Um, so that it's not recommended for kids, especially with like puberty and stuff like that. So I actually stopped taking melatonin and, in, and instead I uh, have been taking GABA. So G-A-B-A. Mm-hmm. So you can find that uh, anywhere on Amazon. And basically what that does is it just, kind of calms the brain down and it uh, dulls the effect of like long-term thinking. So like if you're sitting there at nighttime and you know, you're constantly letting your mind race or thinking about tomorrow or the week or whatever, it kind of just helps uh, reduce that and it puts you in a, uh, just a better state for sleep. So uh, at nighttime, I'll take GABA, just one serving of that. Uh, I take uh, zinc and also take magnesium. So It'd be like ZMA is what they call it together, but just zinc and magnesium. Uh, and then I also have been pretty big. So I'd say don't sleep on your vitamin D. Okay. So I, I think it all depends on where you live. Um, but a lot of people, I think it's like 70 plus percent people are nowhere near the their levels of vitamin D where they should be. So yep. supplementing in with vitamin D is going to be huge. And uh, actually... Here's how I'll answer your question right now. Scratch everything I just said <laughs> and implement the supplement of the sun. All right. There Get you out go. In the sun. There all it right. Is. So that, that's been one of my biggest things that I've been doing lately is, is scheduling 
Um, morning sunlight, just right when I wake up, going outside, getting sunshine, um, taking walks, being out in the sun. Uh, sometimes you're not going to be able to actually get vitamin D, depending on where you live and the where the sun is located. East but, Coast problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. East Coast problems for sure. Like, we, we suck. I think we... Yep. We can only get sun in like a couple of months out of the other than that. It's just, it's all just garbage. But, That's true. But getting the sun though, for what it does for all the other mechanisms in the body and going through your eyes and it just helps with so much mood disorders, you know, sleep and wake cycles, uh, just overall health. Like just besides the vitamin D benefits, if you can't get it, get out in the sun and I can guarantee you you're going to just feel better as a human being. So that's been something I was sleeping on until uh, COVID actually. You know, getting COVID, I, I really wanted to take some extra uh, steps to better my health and, you know, my immune system and all these things just kind of holistically work together. So uh, getting out in the sun has been a big one for me. How's how's your journey been to waking up at 5 a.m. without an alarm clock? Uh, so I will say this. Originally, <laughs> my plan was to wake up right at 530 and I did that for a while. Mm-hmm. But then implementing these these new and like learning about sleep. And getting my sleep on a better schedule. Uh, I've just been waking up when the sun comes up now. Wow. And yeah, so like today uh, I was up at like six, you know, so it's kind of still around the same same time. Um, but I've been getting up around like 6 a.m. regularly and I've been feeling really good. The issue with getting up at the 5.30 is I feel like it was still dark and uh, it kind of was like I spent... I spent a little bit of time just kind of sitting there for like a half hour. Waiting like for the just, sun to rise. <laughs> just like, yeah, just like waking up basically. So I was just like, well, if I can wake up at six and feel this, like just ready to go at six, you know, I felt like that was better. But it also all depends on the workload. Like for me, waking up early was honestly just to be able to get more work done in the morning because my my nights are pretty shot. My afternoons get tough. Right. Um, but overall, uh, I've been tracking my sleep and I've been, I went from getting around six hours average to now I'm at seven hours and like three minutes. So I've increased my sleep quality over the last couple of months to at least getting an extra consistent hour because consistency is key. Yep. It's like in terms of sleep, you're better off getting six hours every night than trying to do like six, then seven, then, you know, trying to make up sleep on the weekends. Like being consistent is, is where the bread and butter is with that one. So uh, for me to get to seven hours has been cool. And also, you know, I'm not waking up, I would say, at 7 anymore. So 5.30 maybe was a little bit too early for me. Mm. Um, so getting up at like 6 has kind of been that perfect sweet spot. Or a little bit before, maybe like 5.45, 5.50. Uh, but the, the journey's been cool, man. Like, it's mostly for me just been about just getting better in that department in general. And I'm sure you find that, like, you know, I, I preach it all the time to people, like, you know, don't don't bite off more than you can chew. Like, everyone's like, I want to lose 30 pounds. I'm like, well, how about we lose, you know, one pound a month? Like, and for me, the sleep thing was like, all right, I'm going cold turkey, like 5.30 <laughs> in the morning. And, and it worked for a while. But then I was just like, okay, like, what's a, what's a better way I can do this and still feel better? So uh, it's been like that happy medium for me, um, which sometimes I do think about just gradually weaning it back to 5.30. Uh, but I, it's been working out where it's at right now. There goes that habit stacking mindset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Habit stacking. Love it. Um, I know you're a, you're a heavy reader. You read a lot. Um, what's the last book you read? Ooh, so uh, the problem with me is I read a lot of books at once. Yep. But um, <laughs> I'm reading uh, uh, Why We yeah, Why We Sleep. Uh, I read that pretty much like every night, just a couple of pages or like a chapter or something like that. 
one I'm trying to go to bed, which is just, you know, suits, suits the topic. Right. Um, what else do I got on my stack right now? Typically, I try to read something from The Obstacle is the Way. However, I feel like if you're an entrepreneur, like the book is kind of telling you what you already know, but I just want to finish the book to say I finished the book. Mm-hmm. Um, two other books I just got was How to Write Short. So basically, if you go on Instagram or you see like Facebook, it's like become a very short uh, written format for things. Like yep. if you look at my Instagram, you see I put these texts up and it's just a to basically get the message across in as short amount of text as possible, impact as fast as possible. So I bought this book as like my first actual writing book. So it's out of my comfort zone, but if I can pull like a couple things out of that, um, you know, that's, that would be, that would be key for me. And then, um, I just finished the audio book. I'll look it up. It was actually a meditation one. Um, I'm all over the place with my stuff here, but it's, uh, it's how to train your mind. So I just finished that actually yesterday, uh, which basically it just goes over the basics of meditation. I feel like a lot of the books just go too deep in meditation and make it a little bit more complicated. And I really like this one because it's getting straight to the point and basically just saying like, just be aware of your breathing, even if it's two minutes a day, like taking that approach of that 1% rule, like, you know, start off with just two minutes. Like everybody can take two minutes to listen to their breath and, there are tons of impacts of just doing that. And then over time, once you're capable of that, you can increase the dose. Um, but even like a lot of like the last book that I read before this was 10 to Zen, right? And it's going over a 10 minute meditation procedure. And like, that was even too much for me, you know? Oh, so man. like being able to just do two minutes is, is like perfect to start. So I just like the simplicity of it, the message that it put out. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm always reading, dude. I want to start a library. Yeah. It, it's your stack of books. And I'm like, I, I remember you posted one Instagram post and it was like three or four picture slides. And I go, yep, read that, have that, seen that. <laughs> it was, it, it was, it was funny to see, to see so much of that in the, um, in, in the slideshow. Cause I go, wow, that book has come across my desk. You know, I saw some Tim Ferriss in there. saw some Gary V in there. Uh, so it was, it was really dope to see that. Yeah, man. Yeah. I love all different topics. Uh, you know, uh, performance stuff, just, you know, self-development business. Uh, and then I've been really into neuroscience lately and psychology again. So it's been cool to see how all of this kind of comes full circle and that, and it, and they all impact one another. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think like one of the biggest things people will need to do is start exercising their brain more. Like we live in this culture, you know, side rant where it's just become so easy to not use your brain. Yep. Um, and, so automated so like reading is and, and with reading I, everyone is just i think had a bad experience with it, especially with like school or being a kid where you know i just try to promote like reading anything that you're drawn to or interested in is the way to go whether it's short whether it's long uh whether it's poems whether like anything man like just just get something and try to exercise your brain uh and, and grow that muscle because that is a muscle if we don't use it, it's going to atrophy there you go um Favorite meal at Cross Keys Diner? <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, <laughs> well, if they have a pancake special, that is what I, I really like there. They're like, I think it's the pumpkin pecan pancakes or like some sort of oatmeal pancakes that they make. I think their, their special pancakes are always like a go to. Nice. Um, and if not, I always get uh, what's called the Fort Collins omelet but i turn it into a scramble and it's basically just like 
sausage, uh, peppers, onions, cheese, um, and then always get a full stack of French toast with that if the pancakes aren't there. Nice. Um, I know you, you a while back you did a you did an AMA and you had talked about some of your favorite games that you played, um, Gears of War, uh, some some of the classics. Are you still playing games currently? And if so, what are you playing? No, I haven't played any games because uh, I, it would distract from my work productivity. So gotcha. I literally put my Xbox at my parents' house, and it's been sitting there ever since. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, it's out of sight, out of mind, you know? There so, you like, go. Another Atomic Habits thing right there. You know, make, make it invisible, and you'll never use it. But uh, I always am intrigued to get back into gaming. I see, like, there. I really have been into, um, what was it, like... Uh, like I think PUBG would be a game I would like. Um, I think Fortnite, like they're they're just too good. Like I can't play yeah. Fortnite because of just how good everybody is, yep. and it just gets like super discouraging at the level. I feel um, your pain. <laughs> but then I always love like basic shooters. Like any of the Call of Duties have been cool. Uh, Gears of War I thought was so unique. It was like the first third person shooter uh, that was out at the time. You know I love the story. I love the way the gameplay was, especially the first three. Yep. Um, and then uh what else is out there? What, I don't know what's big. I like I like like attack and defense like games too. So I don't know if there's anything like that out right now. I think oh, there was like, like tower defense type stuff. Kinda, but um like even when I was big into gaming, I played a lot of like Warcraft three. Oh okay. I thought that was fun. Um but I hear this I think it's called like Rush. Is that a game right now? Uh I think so. I, I my my uh Warcraft uh knowledge isn't as diverse. I'm I'm kinda stuck in a lot of the the games you just played, not so much Call of Duty. I just uh, I'm big Assassin's Creed buff. I just finished. Oh the, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. I just finished Valhalla, um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla with the Vikings. It was, How was that? Was that cool? Oh, it was it was good, man. Like like just a lot of the the way they tied it into like Norse mythology. Like yeah, it, it's crazy. Like um, like you could unlock, you could wield like Mjolnir, and, oh, and nice. use that as a weapon, which was pretty awesome. I'm like, you could use like Odin's spear. So there was a lot of cool stuff in that game. A lot of hours put in. And now, you know, now that I have a, now that I have a, my, my daughter, it's, a, it's a little different. So I play like when I put her down for a nap, I'll play a little bit here and there. I think it took me like 105 hours to finish it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like the thing with me is, uh, see, I would get addicted to online gameplay and that's what would really distract me from my like, productivity stuff. Yep, but like, do it. If, if I were to play something now, I could see myself playing something because of the story. And that's kind of why, like, I liked, uh, like Destiny. Like, I played Destiny. That was by, like, I played that a ton when I was playing Xbox. So, the games before I, I put my Xbox into, uh, Hibernation was, uh, yeah, like Destiny. I played a lot of Battlefield. I got that game Anthem, which totally oh, yeah. let me, I thought, like, it was cool, but, like, I, I, like, I don't know. I feel like there was some missing stuff with that. Like, I feel like it could have been a lot better. Yep. Um, I love customizing characters. Like, I've always been big in that. Like, if I can customize my, my suit or like my skin or like I get like off to that. I'll spend more hours decking my dude out like than playing the game sometimes, you know, nice. <laughs> like I'm like, it's how I look, you know, nice, <laughs> but, true. uh, but, um, yeah, I played a lot of Assassin's Creed up to the, uh, the third one. And then I kind of took a break from that, but I feel like I heard of the hollow was really good. And even the one before that one was pretty dope. Yep. Um, so yeah, man, like I still love video games. Uh, I probably would like to get back just as like a, something to take my mind off work. That's why I did it. It was fun. As long as I can keep the balance or have like, they need like a sleep mode on your Xbox or, or, or console where like 
it just shuts off after like two hours and, and it, it has like a 24 hour redo period. Like unlike my phone, like I set up restrictions and then there's always the option of like, do you want 10 more minutes? I'm always like, yes. You, you know, go. so if they could just get rid of that, like where I usually don't have an option, I feel like I'll, I'll be okay. There you go. Nice. Um, what was the last item you purchased that was less than a hundred dollars that made your life easier or more enjoyable? It's like the Tim Ferriss question, isn't it? A little Just, bit. Uh, a little spin on that. Oh, oh, easy one. My uh, my little mixer frother thing that I use on my Instagram sometimes. So basically, it's like whenever you put protein in your your cup, yep. Uh, you literally just flick the switch and it just blends it up. So those things, like it's so little, but I love it and I use it every day, and it's just made uh made everything just super easy instead of just shaking there and they're like there's really never clumps with i would say with hd products shameless right. plug there but with other stuff yeah it's just like easy to blend it up and i always recommend that to people um well i, I know, know you won't else. i know you won't be blending fat-free creamer with it <laughs> no no fat-free fat creamer out of the window thing in the woods still 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 out there in the woods did you did you ever find the bottle out there uh, I should go check. It's, it's snowed a lot. It's probably like now. It's probably available. Yeah, I think I like, I like punted it actually really far Jeez. in the woods. Nice. Um, obviously we 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 touch on toys a little bit on, uh, on this podcast. Uh, what's your favorite toy or collectible from your childhood? Toy or collectible? Huh. I <laughs> I really loved my big wheel. Um, nice. Yeah, I had a yellow big wheel that had like lightning bolts on it. I'm gonna tell you the story, and it's the last story I'll tell. But there you go. I used to have a Wolverine costume as a kid. Nice. And uh, I put my Wolverine costume on, and it was like springtime. I wasn't even like remotely any time where you could wear a Wolverine costume. And I would get on my big wheel. I had to be like five or six, and we lived in a cul-de-sac. And there was this girl at the end of the cul-de-sac. Her name was Emily, and she was a couple years older than me. And uh, I had the hots for, so I would I would fly down on my big wheel in my Wolverine costume, <laughs> and I would I would do a burnout and it would like whip around, and I look at her and I would just go, "Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome!" <laughs> and I would drive off. And then the best part is I would do it again. <laughs> oh man! So I did it like five times. Like, uh, yeah, looking back, not I don't recommend <laughs> that to anybody. Like, if you're listening to this. To do that, I hope I hope you wouldn't do that, especially as a grown ass person. But uh, grown ass big wheel. <laughs> yeah, actually, that would probably be a blast. That's a, that's an idea. They should bring it back. They're yeah. bringing everything back now. Bring back a big wheel. Yeah, I would. I would definitely be down for that. Um, last one on the hot seat. Uh, call you a year from now. Ask you, Coach Joe, what's going on with the Lions? Then, what do you hope to answer with? Uh. Uh, it's either expanded. So, uh, I've purchased, uh, like a new unit for the gym. Um, or that the online is just like killing it. Um, so I'm back and forth between which route I'm I'm not sure if I want to do both or focus on one or the other, but, um, the gym is getting to a point where like, I, I probably should expand for like stage two of the den. So I'm looking to do that, but I've really put an emphasis on uh, the online. Like my goal is to get over 100k subscribers within the next couple months, uh, and push the online as like a big stream of revenue. Um, 
So I would say just in a year, like I hope that's where everything's at and it's just flourishing and just keeps growing and, and influencing and, and, uh, yeah, just growing in the industry. Nice. Now, last bit, uh, the last thing we do is reach one, teach one last piece of actionable advice to close things out. I usually frame these a little different for every guest. Um, in your case, you're speaking to a bunch of high school seniors. They're getting ready to graduate. Um, they want to get into the fitness industry. What's one piece of actionable advice you'd give them for in terms of business and one piece of actionable advice in terms of uh, strength training? Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, in terms of strength training, I would say uh, the basics work. You know, don't get caught up in all the fancy stuff you see out there, the new this, the new that. Um, stick to just the basic foundational principles of strength training. You know, make adjustments as time goes on that work for you specifically. Um, but, you know, I feel like people try to do something that doesn't work out. They change, they keep program hopping or, or hopping around with their training. So in terms of just the strength training guys, like the basic foundational principles work, put in the time, put in the effort and the energy and adjust accordingly. And you're going to be okay. Like, and you're always going to find that the basics never fail. So stick to that. And, you know, you're, you're going to, you'll be all right if it's, comes down to like making gains um business there's a, a ton of ways we can go with this question but i think in business capitalize on the online market would be my biggest one right now especially with covid uh the pandemic we're in the reason my business was actually able to flourish completely during and throughout this whole time was i had an online presence and and people told me i was wasting my time years ago and that it didn't matter and to focus on the physical and the clients uh which i did but during that whole time, I also kept pushing my online presence and growing that. And when you look at the amount of people you can reach in terms of physical versus online uh, business, online is astronomically going to be larger. And, you know, with that way everything's heading right now, uh, you need to plan as if the pandemic is never going to leave or it's going to come back. So if you have a brick and mortar business, how can you be able to flourish during a pandemic? And if you have an online business, how can you flourish through a pandemic? And and unfortunately, in the industry, this is why we saw so many gyms close is because they were so focused on the physical yep. and they, they had to shut down. And we, we lost, uh, unfortunately, a ton of gyms and businesses. And it's just very sad. And I, and I don't want people to have these dreams and have to close. So um, like this should be an eye opener for everyone going through this or trying to start off like there's a high likelihood that these things can happen and, and they may happen or they will happen. Um, so how can you use that to grow your business and prepare a business for these things. Nice. That's a, that is a great way to close things out. Uh, Coach Joe, thank you once again for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule to share the toys and tech of your trade. Absolutely. It was a pleasure coming on here and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much. Man, what a great conversation with Coach Joe. I really really enjoyed it and as somebody who is still in the gym as i mentioned during our our conversation three times a week you know guys guys like coach joe and john meadows and and a lot of and a lot of those uh new the new crop of um fitness content creators really just they resonate with me because it's not the usual stuff that so many influencers preach i i, I mean you know uh, in Coach Joe's case, he, 
you know, deadlift, squat, overhead press, uh, some of the strongman stuff. Um, over over the last couple of months, consuming content from Coach Joe, John Meadows, so many others, it's really just reinvigorated and fired up my training. And I'm really glad I got to not only share his story with with you folks because again, there's there's just so much to take from it and just draw inspiration from. But also just as a way to show gratitude because the content that, um, like I said, uh, individuals like Coach Joe are putting out there are, are just they, they reach people and they do more more than some people know in, in a lot of cases. I mean, with COVID here in, in New York City, uh, we didn't have gyms for a while and just trying to find ways to stay functional. I mean, with uh, with a two year old uh, running around my house, there's definitely plenty of ways to stay functional but as somebody who's been uh i i guess you could you could call it a strength athlete for as many years as i've been uh picking things up and putting things down uh creators like uh coach joe like i said john meadows um alan thrall who he mentioned who's awesome never sate uh, another great youtube channel uh those creators like i said their their content resonates with me because i like i'm a big fan of functional strength um, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, it's cool to have a six pack and be super ripped. But as I mentioned to coach Joe, and it's something I like to do, I like to be able to, Hey, I need to pick up this couch or I need to move this refrigerator or do this washer or things of that nature, real functional strength that I can use on a day to day basis, especially in my, in my house, you know, I have my grandmother living here, my two sisters who are both uh, handicapped, my my young daughter, uh, my wife. So there's a, there's a lot of factors that are there and you you want to stay strong. You want to stay mobile. And um, I'm really grateful, like I said, for for content creators like Coach Joe, who are really just putting so much out there for for free, might I add. Uh, and don't get me wrong. Coach Joe has tons of great um, training programs. I'm going to link to a lot of them in the show notes for this episode, plus everything we discussed. And of course, full disclosure as always, some of those items may have affiliate links, which if you click, uh, will receive a small commission again at no cost to you, which allows us to improve everything we do here at Rageworks from the network to the equipment to everything else. So if you see those links in the show notes and are interested in finding out more about a particular product, click them, use them. It really does help us out. And as I said, everything Coach Joe mentioned in this interview will be linked. Uh, supplements, uh, the stuff he's doing with HD Muscle, uh, his promo code will be in there if you want to pick up some supplements. Again, um, real genuine stuff that he's putting out there with regards to HD Muscle, no fluff, no BS so definitely use those links if you want to pick up some products. And if you're in PA and looking for a place to go to really up your, your strength game, definitely make sure to check out the Lion's Den training facility in Colmar, PA. I'll put the address and everything relating to that in the show notes. Before we wrap things up, I just wanted to run something by all of you listeners, and I'm going to be uh, really digging into that in this particular item in the couple of in the next couple of weeks and that is with regards to the intro for this podcast usually as many of you know i'll go do a quick explanation of what we're about some housekeeping and jump into the the guest of the of the week so over the last few months i've been seeing a lot of conflicting conversations 
from Reddit to different Facebook groups, et cetera, about the importance of having an intro for your podcast. And I don't mean an intro with music. I'm talking about the the explanation of what the podcast is about, you know, the brief bit of um of a monologue before jumping into a guest. Some people say that you shouldn't use it and jump right into the content. Other people disagree and feel that it's important because you don't know when someone is jumping into a podcast and they want to know what it's all about. So uh, over the next couple of weeks, probably by the time we reach episode 50, I'm going to conduct some some research, uh, whether it's polls through social media, our Facebook group, or through our email newsletter, just to see where people are with regards to that. Do you, the listeners, agree with that statement? Do you want us to jump right in? Man, what a great conversation with Coach Joe. I really, really enjoyed it. And as somebody who is still in the gym, as I mentioned during our our conversation three times a week, you know, guys, guys like Coach Joe and John Meadows and and a lot of and a lot of those uh, new the new crop of um, fitness content creators really just they resonate with me because it's not the usual stuff that so many influencers preach. I I mean, you know, uh, in Coach Joe's case, he you know deadlift, squat, overhead press, uh, some of the strongman stuff. Um, over over the last couple of months consuming content from Coach Joe, John Meadows, so many others, it's really just reinvigorated and fired up my training. And I'm really glad I got to not only share his story with, with you folks, because again, there's there's just so much to take from it and just draw inspiration from, but also just as a way to show gratitude because the content that um, like I said, uh, individuals like Coach Joe are putting out there are, are just they they reach people and they do more more than some people know in in a lot of cases. I mean, with COVID here in in New York City, uh, we didn't have gyms for a while, and just trying to find ways to stay functional. I mean, with uh, with a two year old uh, running around my house, there's definitely plenty of ways to stay functional. But as somebody who's been uh, I I guess you could you could call it a strength athlete for as many years as I've been uh, picking things up and putting things down. Uh, creators like uh, Coach Joe, like I said, John Meadows, um, Alan Thrall, who he mentioned, who's awesome. Never Sate, uh, another great YouTube channel. Uh, those creators, like I said, their their content resonates with me because I like I'm a big fan of functional strength. Um, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, it's cool to have a six pack and be super ripped. But as I mentioned to coach Joe, and it's something I like to do, I like to be able to, Hey, I need to pick up this couch or I need to move this refrigerator or do this washer or things of that nature, real functional strength that I can use on a day to day basis, especially in my, in my house, you know, I have my grandmother living here, my two sisters who are both uh, handicapped, my my young daughter, uh, my wife. So there's a, there's a lot of factors that are there, and you you want to stay strong, you want to stay mobile, and um, I'm really grateful, like I said, for for content creators like Coach Joe, who are really just putting so much out there for for free, might I add. Uh, and don't get me wrong, Coach Joe has tons of great um, training programs. I'm going to link to a lot of them in the show notes for this episode, plus everything we discussed. And of course, full disclosure, as always, some of those items may have affiliate links, which if you click, 
uh, we'll receive a small commission again at no cost to you, which allows us to improve everything we do here at RageWorks from the network to the equipment to everything else. So if you see those links in the show notes and are interested in finding out more about a particular product, click them, use them. It really does help us out. And as I said, everything Coach Joe mentioned in this interview will be linked. Uh, supplements, uh, the stuff he's doing with HD Muscle, uh, his promo code will be in there if you want to pick up some supplements. Again, um, real genuine stuff that he's putting out there with regards to HD Muscle, no fluff, no BS. So definitely use those links if you want to pick up some products. And if you're in PA and looking for a place to go to really up your your strength game definitely make sure to check out the lion's den training facility in colmar pa i'll put the address and everything relating to that in the show notes before we wrap things up i just wanted to run something by all of you listeners and i'm going to be uh really digging into that in this particular item in the couple of in the next couple of weeks and that is with regards to the intro for this podcast Usually, as many of you know, I'll go do a quick explanation of what we're about, some housekeeping and jump into the the guest of the of the week. So over the last few months, I've been seeing a lot of conflicting conversations from Reddit to different Facebook groups, etc., about the importance of having an intro for your podcast. And I don't mean an intro with music. I'm talking about the the explanation of what the podcast is about, you know, the brief bit of um of a monologue before jumping into a guest. Some people say that you shouldn't use it and jump right into the content. Other people disagree and feel that it's important because you don't know when someone is jumping into a podcast and they want to know what it's all about. So, uh over the next couple of weeks, probably by the time we reach episode 50, I'm going to conduct some some research, uh, whether it's polls through social media, our Facebook group, or through our email newsletter, just to see where people are with regards to that. Do you, the listeners, agree with that statement? Do you want us to jump right into the content, or do you prefer a little bit of buildup and some of the other stuff uh, right at the start? Um, me, personally, I can I can take it or leave it. I can do the intro but I want to just make sure we're giving you maximum value as soon as you press play. And if that means saving a lot of this stuff for the tail end, like we're doing now, then, you know, we'll do that. Or if not, then we'll continue with business as usual. But like I said, stay tuned to our social media outlets for that or via our email, our email newsletter. Now, of course, to run down all the social media we're at, you guys know the deal. Let's not let's not waste any time. Call to action. Uh, check us out on the social media platform of choice. Punch in RageWorks unless you're on Twitter, where we are Rage underscore Works because someone is camping on the RageWorks name for years upon years upon years. But that's a conversation for a different day. Nonetheless, new episodes of Toys and Tech of the Trade are released bi-weekly every other Wednesday. Uh, for now, I've been toying with going towards a weekly format, but bi-weekly works, uh, especially when getting guests, which for the remainder of March and April, man, we got we got some heat on deck for you guys from from a variety of different sources and people from different walks of life. And I'm really excited to share their stories with you. With that said, let's wrap things up. Um, Toys and Tech of the Trade, bi-weekly 
every Wednesday. Find us on the out podcast platform of your choice. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment, review the show. Five stars would be awesome if we delivered the goods. If not, you know, it is what it is. And if you got an extra minute or two, just a, a quick little sentence about what you enjoyed about the show, we would really, really appreciate it. Social proof does wonders, especially when getting guests. So every review helps. All right. Thank you guys for listening to Toys and Tech of the Trade. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Peace. Toys and Tech of the Trade is part of the RageWorks Podcast Network, your source for rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. Visit us at RageWorksNetwork.com.